there and welcome to episode seven of Life from Vader's Castle. Um, I'm your host, Dan McCrory, and I'm joined by my co-host, John Lee. Hello there. How are you doing today, John? Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a good news day for me. My uh, my local area in Scotland has just been uh, dropped down a level in our COVID restrictions. So it'll be all parties up here. Uh, you'll have to see it. Yeah, we've been held behind because we we were dirty and got lots of COVID, but it's all gone away now. Now we're we're back to normal. Well, like the rest of England. Well, yeah, not quite normal, but it's, it's like the rest of the UK exactly. Um, but apart from that, it's chucking it down with rain. It's a bit it's a bit minging up here. I'm assuming it's the same with you. Yes, the the wind is dreadful down here. I can see the the trees in the window behind me are edging ever so closer to falling over. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is a good British summer that we should be looking forward to. Yeah, it's 21st of May. This is, bring get your barbecues out. I know, shocking. Right, so uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the newest episode of The Bad Batch, episode four, called Cornered. Um, and it was a little bit of a, a lighter episode in terms of content and stuff to speak about. So we're going to have a little segment at the end talk about some of the lightsaber duels as well from the whole Star Wars franchise. So we've got a little bit of a little bit of a breakdown review and then something extra to tag on the end. A little bit of fun at the end of the episodes. Are you excited for that, John? Yeah, that'll be a nice interesting discussion, I think, to uh discuss some of the interesting lightsaber fights in the show, in this whole series. Yeah, still waiting for our for us some lightsaber fights in the Bad Batch. Well, I guess we kind of got one, didn't we, with Order 66? But yeah, true. they weren't dueling. They were just sort of <laughs> trying not to die. Yeah. So what did, you, uh, what did you think of today's episode, John? It was okay. It was... Oh, was some uh, new character was added, but I feel like it was very... Um, as we've said in previous episodes, I feel like there was times when... It was a bit slow, but it was necessary to further information and stuff like that. I yeah. feel like that, that wasn't quite as prevalent today. I think it was just yeah. a bit slower without the background stuff that we've been discussing in the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. I I liked the episode enough. I thought it was fine. It sort of fits into the realm of the episodes of Clone Wars and Rebels where they're sort of not that significant. You forget about them fairly quickly but they're fun to sort of watch. Like it was a fun episode, but you know how a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the whole thing with people saying, you know, stuff's filler. Now I can actually almost see the argument for people calling this episode filler because <laughs> with the exception of, you know, the new addition to the show, we didn't actually learn a huge amount more about any of the characters really. Um, didn't massively further the plot in a huge way. It just was a bit of a fun 20 minutes that was perhaps a little bit more kid-friendly than the first three episodes. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of my overall thoughts. I mean, I think one of the, obviously apart from the uh, new character introduction, I think the most interesting point I took away from it was uh, Tech being able to scramble the code on the, the ship and that's we learn how yeah. he does that. So I'm assuming that's like the same method that like the ghost uses and stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah. the most interesting Peter, I took away from it. And if anything, that was the sort of the most significant plot development going into the next episode is now the Empire can't yeah. track their ship. But apart from that, <laughs> and apart from the fact they've got a new bounty hunter on their tail, 
not a huge amount changed, if I'm being honest. Um, but it's fine. I think there will be people who will be disappointed. But I think if you've watched The Clone Wars and Rebels, you've come to expect episodes like this every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always think back to Rebels when like there was season one when there's all the sorts going on with the Inquisitor and like Agent Callus and all this. And then there was just an episode where they like tried to collect fruit on the thole and then they were involved <laughs> in a TIE fight, a TIE fighter chase because they were collecting fruit. And it was one of those episodes where you're like, what was the point of this episode? Um, apart from being a laugh. And I feel like this one sort of kind of fit into that category as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there's not a lot to sink your teeth into in this episode. It is just, I think it's just one of those ones where it was just a fun little thing where, you know, there was some cool, cool scenes, cool Yeah, some cool set pieces going on. Cool set pieces, but yeah. nothing, nothing that, yeah, has really furthered any, anything to any prevailing interest as soon as i saw the description that it was that the bad batch were going on a supply run i was like oh my god it's a supply run episode because mm. <laughs> every episode of rebels that was forgettable was a supply run episode it was always <laughs> so as soon as i saw supply run i was like right okay it's one of them but it was still fun like i, I do i am being critical purely because you know, I think there's no point me and you just being like, oh, every episode's great. You know, we've got to be honest with our, you know, reviews and stuff. I'm, I'm being, sound like I'm being overly critical. I did still enjoy the episode. It was fun. It was like quite funny at times. There was some like good visuals and stuff and some interesting, as you said, scenes and set pieces. Um, but ultimately left me looking for a little bit more. So I'm hoping next week picks up the pace a wee bit again. Yeah. I mean, episodes like this, I think just, you know, there's got to be a bit of rain to enjoy the sunshine. So uh, episode, the episodes we've had before um, have obviously been the better ones and you've got to have an episode which is lacking behind but still great. Yeah. Uh, you know, as like, as a series so far, still very good, you know. Yeah. Not every yeah. episode's going to be your favourite episode or like the best episode ever, ever. So. Yeah, and I do think, it. like one of, the, one of the reasons I do justify these episodes is because like part of these shows are just like getting to know the the cast like the main characters and like being with them for an extended period of time now in this episode there wasn't like big character developing moments like there were in the past two but it was just another sort of 20 minutes of spending time with the bad batch which i think is important in a way because you know, you could take this episode out and say, oh, you know, it's quite in- inconsequential. But then by the end of the series, would you be as attached to the characters if you'd spent less time with them? I guess it's, you know, what I always say to people with Rebels when I'm like, look, just push through some of the episode of Rebels that aren't great. And it makes up for it at the end because by the time you get to the end, the characters mean so much to you that, you know, the finale really feels like something and it wouldn't feel like something if you skipped the lesser episodes because you just pure numbers spend less time with the characters. So I think these these episodes are justified. I just think few and far between. As long as next week bangs, I think we're fine. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. That, you know, these this is why, like, with TV shows, you know, like Rebels, like Clone Wars and uh, other, other TV shows and other media, is that, at the end of it, and at the finale, you do like have a proper emotional attachment with these characters because, like, you spent so much time with them. Even if it's just them doing stuff that's possibly mundane, like, yeah, you're still yeah. spending that extra half an hour with them. 
and seeing them do things that yeah that's a good point to be fair and i think i think one of the things i like is i'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen pantora the planet i might be wrong with that if i am wrong correct me i think this is the first time we've seen pantora mm. Like on the actual planet, I always like it when we go to a new planet and seeing what the new cultures and the locations look like. Um, I know that the closest we come, I think, to Pantora was. Do you remember that Clone Wars arc with like the snow moon with like the towels, the little um, white creatures, and then like the Pantorans thought it was like wanted to claim the moon for themselves, and then the towels yeah. fought back. Like I think that moon was like orbiting Pantora or some or nearby. Um, yeah, yeah, I know the episode. But then, obviously, this one we got to go to Pandora, which I think was cool. It's another planet. Uh, there's some fun little like details that we sort of learn, and then I think sort of the big thing from this episode it was an introduction to Fennec Shand or reintroduction to Fennec mm-hmm. Shand, a much younger Fennec Shand, um, mm-hmm. which didn't massively pay off for me in this episode. But the introduction needs to be done, so it will probably pay off further down the series. So it's good that that character is now in the mix and it definitely leaves it at the end of the episode that we will see her again. It's not just a one-off appearance. So um, in that sense, there's definitely some positives to take from today's episode. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that they've actually introduced her like fairly early on in the series as well, because what, episode four, like, if she, like I feel like we're going to see her a lot more throughout the series. Like, if she was introduced at like episode 10 or something, you'd assume yeah. that you're not going to get a lot out of her. Um, yeah. I imagine so early in. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had always imagined it was going to be quite an antagonistic relationship between her and the bad batch. Like she was going to be hunting them. Um, Although we'll we'll talk about this in more detail. It doesn't seem like Omega being her target. I don't think it's a kill she's got on Omega. I think she's to capture her alive because sort of, there were so many opportunities in that. So she could have killed Omega easily, but she was always like trying to, you know, I'll come with me, all that sort of stuff, like be nice to her. So I, I think the bounty that's on Omega's head is a capture alive. And I think it's actually the Kaminoans who's got that out, not the Empire. That's my theory. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well when I was watching it. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, who's that Kaminoan that she spent like a lot of time with, the medical, top medical one? I always forget their names. I want to say it's Nala Say. I think Nala Say is the medical one. Yeah, like her and the Prime Minister have definitely... I think paid this uh, paid her to bring her back, and because I don't think they trust the Empire with it. Um, I don't think they trust that if the Empire was to capture Omega, I don't think they'd bring her back to the Kaminoans for sure. Yeah, go off and do she, probably, <laughs> she probably wouldn't survive it either. Um, <laughs> so should we just sort of we'll just get into the episode and sort of fairly at fairly quick pace, just get through the episode, what happens, and then we can bring up these points as we go through. So the the overall plot are fairly straightforward. They were running low on supplies and they needed to scramble the codes that was attached to their ship. So they landed on the nearest planet to them, which was Pantora. Pantora is known for being the home of the Pantorans, who are the the blue people. They're not the Chiss because they don't have red eyes. They're tall and blue humanoid looking aliens. Um, And this is their home planet. They get there, Hunter, Echo, Omega go off on a supply run. Tech and Wrecker try and fix the ship, as in get the scrambler off the ship. The little Sulliston who runs the little port snitches on the fact that they're there to Fennec Shand. Fennec Shand comes and 
tries to obtain Omega off of them. And then a chase and rescue sequence begins. And that's essentially the overrun of that episode. Um, I guess the first little bit that I'll, I'll ask you about John, which I thought was quite a funny moment was when Hunter sold Echo <laughs> to the little, the little arms dealer, not the arms dealer, like the little, uh, what do you call it? Like artifact guy. <laughs> yeah. The merchant. Yeah. That made me laugh. Oh, I really liked um, Echo's little outfit. Yeah. I don't actually, where he looked like a droid or something like that. I think he looked really cool. Yeah. I thought it was um, funny actually that he disguised him as a droid. <laughs> really yeah. Cool. It makes sense. Cause I mean, he does stand out from a crowd and if he's going to go wandering about the streets, he needs to not look like a man with cybernetic faces and arms, etc. etc. Yeah. And uh, I actually quite liked his little, his little bit with the droids as well of like getting them to come fix the ship for them. <laughs> it's quite funny. Yeah. I was, I was for sure thinking that at the end of the episode, after they finished fixing the ship, he was going to like start this like droid revolution and they were going to like, Join him on the ship and just go off. <laughs> well, it's going to go like full solo, and then there was just going to be a, a droid uprising. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Well, like they, the the three, um, like the R two D two looking one, and um, the other ones. I thought they were going to like just turn on the C three PO looking female droid and just like murk her and then run off on their own. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I uh, I really liked. The the little astromech one that had like the arms and legs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He was he had little chubby arms. Yeah, he was a bit like chopper like in his behaviour, but he had like the little chubby arms. I quite liked him. I almost hoped that he ended up on the ship. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit sad when he got left behind. I was thinking, oh, was he? I thought I was wishing he was going to be one of the boys there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm hoping we come back in a, in a later episode and like the droids have taken over that shop. Or if they just do like a Clone Wars classic droid episode and it just goes back to that shop <laughs> and it's just them for a whole episode, I'd be, I'd be up for that, to be honest. Yeah, a droid episode I think I'd enjoy. I also, I also quite like the fact that they uh, they put a, what do you call it, restraining bolt on Echo. <laughs> like yeah, the, um, the guy put an actual restraining bolt on him. I just, I don't know why I found that so funny because he had his helmet up so you could see it was Echo and he just had a restraining bolt on him. <laughs> I was very confused like when they um when he sold when uh, Hunter sold him I was like oh they're going to put a bolt on him I was like will it work like has he got enough cybernetic things on him that it will like <laughs> mess with him a bit then no yeah next scene he's just got it on like his chest and he's like <laughs> this glue is there for decoration at that point yeah no I liked it because I think one of the not one of my complaints but one of the things I sort of wanted like from the series I wanted Echo to be given some more things to do um, and I do want him to have some sort of more like deeper character moments and like, uh, you know, I wanted to reflect back on fives and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But I thought it was nice that they gave Echo a good bit of like comedy in this episode. Like, I think comedically he was the the best part of the episode. Um, just his whole little bit. Like, it was cheesy, but the right level of cheesy. And because it's Echo and he's always so serious, I just thought him <laughs> just been lumped in a room with droids pretending to be a droid was really funny. And that was one of the bits of the episode I actually liked the most. <laughs> yeah, and the guy offered, offered um, Hunter 2,000 credits and he was like, oh, I'm worth more than this. <laughs> yeah, that bit cracked me up as well. And then he was like, 4,000. He was like, I'll give you 3,000. Hunter was like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> that was a hard bargain. 
Echo just been sold into slavery, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, that did actually make me laugh. Yeah, that was a good, yeah. good little addition to the episode, I think. And um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna sideline into something I didn't like so much about the episode because if on the lines of comedic relief, I wasn't very happy with what they did with Wrecker this episode. I'm gonna be honest, John. Mm, I, I just like. I think Wrecker is good comedic relief. He's funny, naturally funny all the time. But the big thing about his character is he's tough as hell. He's like the clone version of the Hulk. And then he finally gets to have a fight scene with Fennec Shand and then just instantly gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah, he got done dirty. Just, I, I get that Fennec's meant to be a really good fighter and that sort of thing. We know that from the Mandalorian and stuff, but it's Wrecker. Like, he's, he's genetically mutated to kick ass and he just gets it handed to him <laughs> and I, I, as soon as that happened I was like oh he's, he's hit his head again I was like are they, are they still leaning on this from last episode like is this going to contribute to um, later on in the series with our theory of last week yeah I don't like, know the anymore next couple of episodes is it just going to get whacked on the head like four times in a <laughs> row and then it's just going to get worse and worse <laughs> yeah I really don't know like part of me is now thinking that the whole thing with him having a sore head last week was just like comedy and mm. they didn't actually mean anything by it. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know where they're going to wreck out. I really want him to have, like I liked the bit last week with him, like making the bed for Omega and mm. like, you know, being that sort of like big brother sort of figure. I want them to really go there with Wrecker and give him plenty to do. But I just thought in this episode, it was like, right, tough guy lifts the engine parts out of the ship, goes to rescue Omega, gets all real tough, puts his helmet on and then just gets beaten up. Like, I think he should have at least put on a little bit more of a fight. I mean, come on, he's Wrecker. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. He should have, sh- I think he should have shaken that off and at least landed a punch or two before getting sparked yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that was one of the things I didn't like so much. Um, I think the thing that I did find the the most fun about the episode um, was the Attack of the Clones style um, speeder chase. It gave me real Attack of the Clones vibes um, from, you know, the opening speeder chase of Obi-Wan and Anakin. This whole, you know, <laughs> yeah. chase on the speeder bike and the little ships and all that. I thought that bit was fun. I mean, it didn't as we were talking about earlier, we don't need to keep on going on about it. It didn't do a huge amount to further the plot, um, but it was good fun. I liked the, the um, oh, I'm going to remember the alien's name. I think they're called Aqualish. The, the Donny who was piloting the ship, <laughs> who had his headphones in, he was like listening to dubstep. <laughs> yeah, Mammoth is vibing. He's going to get to his destination and be like, what on earth has happened here? Like, I thought that was a funny little, little bit. And like some of the action was like pretty cool in that scene with like, you know, Hunter just, like blasting Fennec out the sky with the the little bomb thing. Um, yeah, that's cool. Like Hunter's still a badass. I really like Hunter. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that chase scene. What, did, what were your thoughts overall on the chase? No, I thought, yeah, I thought it was cool. Some great, um, great little action shots. Uh, Hunter, yeah, proving himself to be, like, to be fair, he was like the only one out of him and Wrecker who actually like managed to do anything against um, Fennec. So, Proving himself to be a bit of a badass. Yeah. Uh, it was a cool scene. Some nice little flying abouts. I liked, um, yeah, I liked the bit with the bomb when he like got his bomb out from earlier and like put it on the back of her ship. Sent her flying. That was cool. Yeah. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. I always like it in Star Wars when you see like local police, like you see the the actual police from the planet, and it's not just like, stormtroopers. 
Um, mm. So I thought it was quite cool seeing like the Pantoran police like chasing them and then just getting instantly blown up because they're useless. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was actually quite interesting. I was watching that because then I was because we saw like I don't know, five ten minutes beforehand like the crowd like cheering on the clone troopers that were on the planet. Um, yeah. So I thought that was interesting then to see the the police, the local police being like uh, dealing with the chase scene instead of like the clones. Just, mm-hmm. It makes you think like it, that the Empire's still like slowly taking over because obviously like when we watch like Rebels and stuff, like the only people that ever really dealt with what was happening on the planets were like the stormtroopers. So it's interesting to see that the local police were getting involved instead of the clones at this point. Yeah, because that transition hasn't been like fully made yet. Mm. Yeah, I did think those um, the clones that they saw are looking worryingly close to stormtroopers at this point. I mean, they're looking yeah. more and more like stormtroopers and less and less like clones at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think since the first episode as well, um, or since Order sixty six, uh, I don't think we've seen a clone in armor that has any color to it apart from like the Coruscant guards. They're all just plain, yeah. straight plain white. And then uh, the, the black, black elite troopers as well, but they're sort of yeah. different different category, yeah. Yeah, they haven't got any of that, you know, personalization on their um, uh, armor that they, you know, had in the Clone Wars, you know, stuff like that. It's just sad to see. Because, yeah, they are, looking, they are looking more and more like stormtroopers as the episodes go on. Yeah, yeah, it's very sad to see. Um, what else? What else? I mean, let's just talk about Fennec. I guess um, positives. It was good to see Fennec, a younger Fennec. Uh, good to see her back. I like her character in Mandalorian, so I'm happy to see more of her. It's good to hear uh, Ming-Na Wen's voice that she's doing the voice acting for it. Criticism wasn't fan of the animation of her face. It, <laughs> I don't know. It like was really jarring. I did. I. I almost thought it like didn't look fully rendered, like because it was cutting from her to Hunter, and like, Hunter's face is so like pristine and well rendered, and then it went back to Fennec, and it almost felt like they'd like done a half job on it. I don't know. Did did you feel the same? Yeah, I kind of get what you mean. Like when she took her helmet off for the first time, or like when we saw her without her helmet on, I was thinking like they it kind of looks like uh, the actress, but then it kind of just could have been like any person of like that similar like, heritage i was like the, it's just especially because we've seen her in the mandalorian and we know exactly and like she's quite a well-known actress yeah. know exactly what she looks like and she's like quite iconic and because obviously she's mandalorian and then like she's another like nerd culture shows like agents of shield you know that, that sort of stuff yeah um yeah i still i still think it looked much like her to be honest i mean yeah, the not thing my favourite character. Yeah, the though. thing that really took me back was it felt like season one of Clone Wars level of animation. Like, do you remember mm. how Padme used to be animated? Um, mm. And it wasn't great, but you, you could recognise who it was, obviously, and it looked fine. But then you compare it to like what they're doing now, and it's like, right, okay, there's clearly been improvement. But I didn't see it in that. I don't. I don't know if I've just completely. I missed the point. I don't know. I, when she had the helmet on, I was like, right, this looks sick. And then as soon as the helmet came off, I was like, well, like, that does not look like Mignar went whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't think it looked much like her either. I'm not a fan of, yeah, at the moment, maybe it'll grow on me over time. I yeah. just have to accept it, you know, like... Um, it's just that transition, isn't it, of getting used to characters that we know from live action in animation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you can say the same thing about Anakin, I suppose. You know, he kind of looks like Hayden Christian, but it kind of doesn't. 
I think the yeah. only one that's like that I that I think my personal favorite animation live action to animation has got to be Obi Wan. I mean that that man is yeah fine spit image yeah. I mean, yeah, I always like, remember um, Yoda and Rebels. I was really taken aback by that because that really didn't look good either. No, mm. I mean, I suppose it is animation because I mean, Count Dooku's got like a face that's like three times as long as Christopher <laughs> Lee. So. It's the longest face ever. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose it's yeah, it is what it is. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I thought like voice acting wise. Like she was right back in character. I thought it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll talk about the old bounty thing. So she's got a bounty pack out for Omega. It's not for the Bad Batch. It's just for Omega. So um, I think as we were saying earlier, my theory is, is the Kaminoans have hired her to bring her back alive. Because throughout that whole fight, you know, she was shooting at Hunter and all this stuff, but she was always like trying to save Omega and, you know, say, oh, catching her when she's fallen off the edge and all this sort of stuff. So I do have a feeling that it is just a um, capture alive and it's the Kaminoans who want Omega back for their secret cloning project that they were talking about last week. Yeah. I think another big thing is why it makes me think it's not the Empire is that she's never been one of those um, bounty hunters that they, we've seen them use like, on a regular basis. They always seem to like use the same ones. So you've got like, Boba Fett, Bosk, and like, uh, who's that droid? His name is that IG-11. No, I, think, I think it's IG-88. I think he's yeah, 88, yeah. yeah. All the ones we saw in um, Empire, in that yeah. little lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the little lineup ones, in Empire, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that they tend to use on a regular basis, you know, in the films and the cartoons and the comics and the books. You know, they, they go back to them because they're reliable. And she's never been one that we've seen the Empire use, so I'm assuming that yeah. she's picked in, up a contract from somewhere. Yeah, and in Clone Wars, like... Sidious used like Cad Bane, um, Aura Singh, like the likes of them. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I also think that whilst Fennec is a pretty uh nasty piece of work, I also do think she has a slight moral compass as well. So I feel like she's the sort of bounty hunter who would turn down a contract if she thought it was a little bit too dodgy, yeah. I feel like, yeah, if you like the Empire wanted her to go and kill like a kid she'd probably turn it down i feel like there's other bounty hunters i think bosk is probably the bounty hunter he'd probably go for that that man's a savage yeah, bosk uh, wouldn't he could just kill anything <laughs> yeah so yeah I, th- I think you're right i don't think she'd she'd pick up a contract where it was like murder of i don't know how i don't know how old omega is like 10 yeah but i could imagine her picking up a contract which was like bringing alive a little 10 mm. year old girl um so yeah so I think it's good that we've got her there. Obviously, the, the episode sort of left us on a bit of a, who is she speaking to on the other side of her? Um, oh, I can't remember Com-Link. the name. Of, Comlink, that's it. Um, my guess would be the Kaminoans. Um, I'm assuming that's probably your guess as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shall see where that goes. But it's nice that they've got like another sort of antagonistic figure chasing them now. So obviously, the crosshair is going to be on their tail. Tarkin, obviously running the whole thing he's on their tail there's this elite um trooper team and then you've now got fennec shand so it is good that they've got more and more people after them which is hopefully going to create some tension and some good fight scenes um yeah have you got i don't know if i've got any more thoughts on the episode episode have you got anything else 
you want to bring up? No, I think that's actually as you know, as I said earlier, it's not exactly wasn't as much to sink sink your teeth into this episode. So I think that's that's all I've got. Yeah, uh, I I do want to give a special shout out to the little um, Sullivan guy with the toothpick. He was like at the thickest New York accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah just at the beginning, like um, you know, like getting him getting tech to like pay him, and then it was just like it's just not enough. <laughs> that was uh, that was good. But yeah, that's that's episode four, really. Not a huge amount of sort of Easter eggs or anything, big theories to talk about going forward. Um, I'm hoping that we're gonna we're gonna catch up with Rex fairly soon, and. uh get the plot get the plot moving again but as i said i don't mind these episodes when they're every now and then you know i don't want five in a row and then a good finale do you know what i mean like you know you can have one and then we'll get the story moving again if you want to chuck another one in further down the line that's fine um but yeah overall thoughts i liked the episode but i wasn't crazy about it i thought it was the first one out of the three that i'm a bit like all right okay i'll give you that one but um Let's not have another one. Let's improve. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, every now and again, it's fine. I allow it. Yeah. But don't want it on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Right. So seeing that we've finished talking about that fairly quickly, we thought this week we would continue with our sort of fun top fives that we were discussing back in episode two of the podcast they went for a long list of top fives. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, give it a listen. It was good fun. Um, but we thought we'd do top five lightsaber jewels, one for live action and one for animated because there's so many lightsaber jewels. It's hard to, at least if we divide it into live action and animated, we get a bit more opportunity there. So um, we shall go through our lists, have a little discussion about them. And then, uh, That'll probably wrap up our episode. So do you want to go first, John, with your, with your live action top five lightsaber duels? Of course. Um, I've chosen my top five on a basis of, like, one, the ones that, like, there's a couple in there that like, are just there because they look cool. And then there's a couple in there that aren't necessarily, like, the most spectacular fight scenes or, like, the most, like, energetic. But what they do for, like, the story and the plot it's just it's so iconic that you you know it doesn't need to be them leaping about like crackheads you know the the storyline behind these fights i think sometimes is more important yeah um yeah so to kick off my list we have vader versus luke in return of the jedi which i think is one of the most obviously important story driven fights in the whole of star wars yeah, yeah that's why that's made my top top one position um, and then number two, Anakin versus Obi Wan from Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. One that a fight that looks cool and also is very essential to the plot and narration of the film. Yep. Number three, Maul versus Obi Wan and Qui Gon Jinn in uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah. Another, again, that's a pretty badass fight. Um, and obviously furthers the entire films from prequels. OG trilogy and sequels. Um, number four is Anakin versus Dooku from uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I really like that fight. Actually, I know I get some hate from uh, 
from I think Dooku obviously being Christopher Lee is a bit stiff sometimes in his movements <laughs> and that front flip at the beginning is hilarious but I do actually really <laughs> enjoy that fight some good memes in that fight as well yeah and um, I really enjoy that fight and obviously again that's a great plot plot um, inducing fight for Anakin yeah. to turn to the dark side twice the pride double the fall <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and number five Finn versus FN2199 <laughs> no that, that, that's not actually my top five but uh, that's just that cracked me up when I was thinking about it earlier right on the list that just that would crack me up just traitor <laughs> to be honest I've I've done exactly the same view I've put like four serious ones and I've just put a joke one in at the end <laughs> uh, now my actual fifth one I put was uh, Luke versus Carlo from The Last Jedi so I think that is oh. a that's a class fight even though there's no there's no fighting. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, if you actually think about it, it's one of the deepest and most profound fights in all of Star Wars. Yeah, I do um, agree. I do five. agree. Um, right, okay. So my top five is quite different, actually. I think I've got two the same and three different, which is which is nice. I've got um, number one is Luke versus Vader from Empire. Um, for me, this is just to me, this is like if someone says Star Wars, it's instantly what I picture is the carbonite freezing pit with Vader and Luke like standing up there with their lightsabers in the dark. Like that's just so iconic. Um, yeah, that fight, you know, the ending of that fight, talk about story in that fight. This is Luke like going against what Yoda said to do, told him not to face Vader. He's facing Vader to save his friends and then gets his ass handed to him and then finds out he's his dad. So the whole thing is just mental. Um, beautiful fight. I love it so much. Yeah, iconic. Um, and then my second one is Luke versus Vader and Return of the Jedi. For all the reasons you said, the story in that, the the part when Luke just loses control and starts beating on Vader because Vader mentions his sister. The whole fight with Palpa, you know, the, the image when the lightsabers cross over Palp's face, the whole thing, mm. that fight, it's just class. Yeah. Third one, Duel of the Fates from The Phantom Menace. I mean, I think in terms of choreography... I actually think this is probably the best choreographed fight in the franchise. Um, there's a lot of badly choreographed fights in the in the franchise, but this is one of the ones I actually think is really good. Um, the obviously Maul taking on the two of them, the different fighting styles, what it means for the story and the fate of Anakin and all, all that stuff. The music it is a it is a class fight. Although back in '99, it would have felt very different because obviously the, the lightsaber fights that people were used to in Star Wars were very much based off of like sort of like Japanese sword fighting where it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of like banging swords together. Cause obviously when you sword fight, you don't, you don't bang swords together because that just damages your swords. It's, you know, it's a lot more of like slow fighting style, which is obviously what was big in the original trilogy. And then they got to the prequels and George was much more like slamming lightsabers together, fast paced. I think some people didn't like that. Um, but I think we're so used to it now. That, um, that that's sort of what we got used to. And I do love that fight. Number four. Now, this is not my joke one. This is my actual entry at number four. It's going to be controversial. I don't care. The throne rune fight in The Last Jedi. I think visually, this is one of the nicest fights in the franchise. I think that the cinematography in it is stunning. Story-wise, just the, the three or four twists that happen in an instant there, I think is great. I think Kylo and Rey have completely different fighting styles. And just seeing them 
have at it with the obviously it's it's not quite a duel because they're they're fighting but you know what i mean it's a big lightsaber fight yeah, yeah, yeah. and um you know i know you're gonna get people like sam whitworth who are like oh the choreography is terrible please watch revenge of the sith please watch attack of Thrones. <laughs> there has been terrible choreography in star wars for decades <laughs> like i bring up palpatine versus mace windows the worst choreographed fight in the entire franchise there is yeah, yeah. like <laughs> choreography has never been the thing it's been about story and like this in terms of story i think is a brilliant scene visually looks really cool and i think the music and everything i really like it and then my fifth one if i if i was being completely honest it would be obi-wan versus anakin for all the reasons you've said however i do do think that fight is slightly overrated and the memes as much as i love the memes do sort of take out of it a little bit for me by the time i watch it so the the answer that I've actually given in my top five is a uh, Yoda versus Dooku <laughs> from Attack of the Clones. I, Yoda versus Dooku. Yoda when I was leaping about, when I was a kid, I loved that scene so much. I got so gassed, like seeing Yoda just like whip his lightsaber out, um, and the dialogue between Yoda and Christopher Lee. You know the whole like um, equal. What was it like? Our powers equal with the Force, but we should test it with a lightsaber. Don't know the yeah. line off the heart, but that whole bit, and then Yoda pulls out slowly and just leaps all over the gaff. Oh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's hilarious, but it is one of the, my favourites just for pure entertainment reasons. <laughs> no, it's, it's a cool fight, I suppose. Especially Yoda like enters the room like with his little cane, like a little old man. <laughs> He's a whip yeah. his lightsaber and he's like leaping about like a madman. And it's particularly because you've just seen Dooku just completely outdoor Obi-Wan and Anakin. And then mm. Yoda, this like little <laughs> little green bloke, old man with a walking stick, <laughs> just wanders in and then just beats him up. Yeah. And obviously, like when you find out more about like Yoda and Dooku's relationship, obviously like Dooku was Yoda's Padawan back in the day. Like the meaning in that fight is actually quite big. Um, so yeah, yeah it is a bit of a joke answer but also in a, in a bit of a way it's a serious answer as well um, so yeah those are my live action lightsaber duels or fights no, that's a, it's a good list to be fair I mean I get yeah I get the last Jedi one it, it is nice the only, I think if they just added in some uh, force abilities you know like in the Rise of Skywalker when um, is it Ray swings at Kylo and he like freezes a lightsaber with the force. Yeah, I think they, so. They added yeah. some of that in there, like because they they found some of that in there, like in class actually. Yeah, I just I think my my favorite bit is like you know the the bit with a hand catching the lightsaber and then like the music kicks in. I just think that bit cinematically is so pleasing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I mean, I understand that people faff about about people missing their timing and all of this, and I just don't care. I just don't care. I really don't. <laughs> like, Fair enough. Um, and, you know, people will say what they want to say about what the, the best versions of like lightsaber fights in Star Wars is. Is it sort of the prequels, very fast-paced version, or is it the, the original trilogy, slower-paced more intense standoffy version me personally i prefer the more sort of intense standoffy version i mean as you can see by my what my first and second choice um but then i also like the leaping all over the place and doing ridiculous stuff as well so <laughs> yeah Which right. i think leads nicely into the animated ones because yeah, exactly. they they are very much more and you know leaping about and 
intense fights and, mm-hmm. and all that in, sort of stuff. If we're talking about choreography, arguably all the best choreographed fights outside Duel of the Fates are all in animation. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. Um, so yeah, you go first, John. Okay. My number one is actually, I think my number one is like my favourite lightsaber fight across the whole Star Wars, just because the amount of emotion I get from this is just unbelievable. And it's uh, Ahsoka versus Vader in Twilight Apprentice. Yeah. Uh, at the end of that arc, that is, oh, that gets me every time when uh, Ahsoka breaks open Vader's mask and all you hear is um, the OG Anakin voice going, Ahsoka. Get, it gets me every time. Yeah, you know, little so dialogue I, afterwards. I really need to rewatch it. To be honest, it's it's on my list. I need to get it rewatched because yeah, hits in the feels that one. Yeah, and then number two again is this is one that's very similar to um I suppose the standoffy ones we were just talking about in like uh, the original trilogy, um which is more it makes the lightsaber fight more of like a like a chess game than like an actual like brawl. Um, and that's Maul versus Obi-Wan in Twin Sons. You know, there's there's like yeah. three moves maybe in this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three or four. But the once you realize like what's actually happening like in each other's heads and like how and what the story is they're trying to tell you in these in this fight, it's just oh magical. Yeah. I think I think it's probably the most underrated fight in Star Wars. Like I think people who say that that fight was like not a proper lightsaber fight i'm like you just don't you just don't understand what's going on that's such yeah. an intense like mind game between the two it's like a cross between like a game of chess a, like cowboy shootout and then like a japanese sort of samurai standoff like so many different inspirations oh yeah great yeah it's so good um and to be fair and then my next three are more mental fights just because they're fun. Um, so number three is Obi-Wan versus Maul and Savage, uh, where he takes both of them on and like cuts off Savage's arm at the end. Uh, it's just class. It just shows off how skilled Obi-Wan is as a duelist. It takes takes on Maul, who is like one of the best, you know, lightsaber duelists in Star Wars. And then he takes on Savage as well. It's just like an absolute brute. Brute, yeah. <laughs> But the fact he manages to take them both on at the same time and come out alive and dismembering Savage is unbelievably impressive. It's his defence is just, just... Form 3 master, Obi-Wan. He is, yeah. He's the goat. Uh, uh, number four is Maul and Savage versus old Sheev Palpatine. Uh, oh. When, you know, Palpatine oh. just shows up and just absolutely murks both of them. Um, kills hey. Savage and makes Maul... Beg, beg on his knees. And oh, stuff. One, oh. of my, one of my favorite scenes in like Star Wars history, hands down. Oh, I love it. So yeah, good. <laughs> so good. The fact that Palpatine, you know, we just said Obi Wan held his own against Maul and Savage, but Palpatine absolutely wipes the floor with both of them at the same time, while like laughing most of the time. He's he's enjoying himself while he's having to fight these two. It's oh, unbelievable. Um, and then number five is. Bit of a rogue one actually. Like this one popped to mind where I was really I was really struggling to think of like another one to put on my list. Um and this is Anakin Nobi one versus Dooku in season six. It's uh when they're like oh, fighting yeah. on the, the ramps at the end of uh, yeah. on the what's that crime syndicate that they're fighting that they're all against? I think it's the pikes because they're looking yeah, for um the pikes. 
they're looking for Sifo Diaz's like crash ship or that they find his crash yeah, ship yeah. and they're like following the trail. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about that fight is just, it, it shows off how good Dooku is as just like, as just a duelist, you know, he's one of the best duelists that was in the Jedi order. And ever since, you know, leaving and joining, joining the um, Sith, I think he just takes it even further. Like the way he just sort of plays with Anakin and Obi-Wan and like, Anakin's one of the as a character who's very aggressive in his lightsaber fights, and obviously everyone's very defensive and uh, with their forms. And the way that Dooku manages to like flip it and like gets Anakin to be very defensive and Obi Wan to be more aggressive to them, just like play around with them, I think it's just so good. And the way he's like flipping and leaping around and like yeah. just able to take both of them at the same time, so cool. Yeah, Dooku's ridiculous in like some of his fights. Like I was trying to remember like all the lightsaber fights we see Dooku in the Clone Wars and there's a lot of them um, yeah didn't didn't make my my lists but kind of definitely being like 6th or 7th place some of Dooku's fights that's a, that's a strong list John I, like, I think you're going to be kicking yourself because I think there's one that you've forgotten which you're probably going to kick yourself about but we'll get to my list so my number one is Palps versus Maul and Savage that's my my favourite animated lightsaber duel I think just oh it's the whole build-up as well, just watching Palp just like slowly like walk towards them and like just the, the choreography, everything. It's just ridiculous. And as he said, the fact that he just slaughters Savage and leaves Maul like begging for his life. Like, oh, it's just because of Revenge of the Sith, and I'm sorry to say because of how crap the, the fight is with Palp and my, uh, Windu, and then like the the bit with Yoda is slightly better, but you still don't quite get this idea of like this is the the most powerful Sith Lord, you know, and all this sort of stuff that you hear about Palps. But then you see the fight in the Lawless in season five of Clone Wars, and you're like, right, I get it instantly. You just instantly know why that guy is the boss. <laughs> you know, fighting with the dual lightsabers and his whole style, the way he swings, oh, it's unreal. Such a good fight. Um, my next one is Twin Sons. Maul versus Kenobi for all the reasons that we were talking about earlier. I just love that fight so much. I think that episode as a, as a singular episode might be my favorite animated episode ever. It's between that and the lawless. I just talked about that fight, the meaning behind it, the fact that Kenobi is almost like not wanting to fight him at all until Maul's like who you like protecting something or someone, and then as soon as he says someone, you just see Kenobi's the light on Kenobi's face of him like. Um, like, um, turning on his lightsaber it's as soon as like he had, like he knows that Maul knows about Luke he's like right this guy's dead um, I think I'm just going to add you yeah, about that so I forgot to mention it is that once Obi-Wan like strikes down Maul it's only then that Maul was like uh, he's like is he the chosen one and everyone's like yeah and he's like he will avenge us I think it's then that Maul realises that he's been played his whole life and it's like that's why I think Obi-Wan's like cradling in his arms yeah. because him and Maul both realise that he's victim and like mm-hmm. all the horrible things he's done is because of how he was treated by Palpatine and like how mm-hmm. Palpatine's manipulated him. And it's only then that Maul realises that his whole life is like just been worthless. Yeah, exactly. I think that bit's so deep as well. Like when you actually deep the fact that his entire life has just been, you know, as you said, worthless. He's just been used by this Dark Lord of the Sith his entire life he's been chopped in half and put back together again and all this stuff because of Sidious and replaced and, you know, attacked and blah, blah, all of this. 
so yeah i think that's a really good point there it's like that final moment you know he will avenge us yeah it's intense my third one which is I think the one that you're going to kick yourself off again because I know you're a big fan is Ahsoka versus Maul the Siege of Mandalore fight <laughs> yeah that is a great fight and I do love that fight I knew it was going to be on your list as well so I didn't, oh, I didn't right, feel okay, so yeah. bad having it on mine okay. I didn't know if you'd just like forgotten about it and I was like well, oh, no. I just John forgot I, about that <laughs> of course not I dream of that fight that thing's class yeah I just think that fight is so well like choreographed obviously like that fight was different because they actually filmed that fight in with like real life performers and then translated it to animation they actually got ray park the original maul in to do the like the fight in for maul so it looked mm. like maul fought in the phantom menace um yeah, just everything about that fight just the, the what's going on between like maul and us uh and ahsoka with you know Maul essentially just being like, I'll oh, become my apprentice and we'll destroy Sidious and all this sort of stuff. It's just so much going on there. And Ahsoka's just a badass and she just mm. just murks him, which uh, he deserves. <laughs> um, my fourth one is Ahsoka versus Vader, as you were saying, from season two of Rebels, Twilight the Apprentice. That fight is unbelievable. Not just the, the, like the fighting, but the, the emotion, the raw emotion in it as well, what it represents. And the fact that, mm. like Filoni said it like many times, like the whole point of that fight is to show that even Ahsoka couldn't have brought Anakin back from the dark side. It was only ever going to be Luke who mm. was going to be able to save Vader. Um, so yeah, very important fight, significant fight, good fight. And then my fifth one, it's not one that you've got, which I'm happy about. It is uh, Kenobi and Ventress versus Maul and Savage, the little, uh, little 2v2. Ah, yeah, that's a great fight to be fair. Um, it's funny seeing uh, it. Wasn't funny. It's quite cool seeing um, Obi Wan with a red lightsaber in that fight as well because he borrows one of uh, Ventress, isn't he? Yeah, I, I always like the fights when Ventress is involved. I think Ventress is quite quite a fun fighting style, and like when you see her scrapping, it's good. And then that's the first time I think that's the first time we see Maul fighting again since well, Phantom Menace. I think like chronologically i think that's the first time we see him fight since the phantom menace because it's sort of when he's found and savage brings him back from that wasteland planet that's his first proper fight um and then obviously savage being the brute and the way that obi-wan sort of takes him on and ventress backs up and all that sort of thing i just think it's a really entertaining fight so many like pieces moving about the the uh, the board at once there i think it's very visually impressive and there's there's some good little like Kenobi uh, quips in there as well like he's always quipping <laughs> in the Clone yeah. Wars there's a couple of them good ones in there so yeah that's uh, that's my number five there's definitely so many that I've forgotten um, I think there's a like I really like the fight with um, Ezra and Kanan versus the Grand Inquisitor I think that's a really fun fight as well um, yeah there's, there's so many animated great fights yeah. that you know you could put on the list like the um the, the Dooku versus Ventures and like her sisters, night sisters. That's yeah. that's class. The Dooku's yeah. like blind. That's that's a good fight. And then um, there's like just before Twilight, the Apprentice with like Ezra and Kanan fighting like the Inquisitors mm. and Maul, and like when Kanan gets blinded, like there's all of that bit as well, which is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of good animated fights when you uh, when you deep it really. Mm. Yeah, animation yeah. is definitely where the the fights become their best I think which is obviously yeah. easier to do you can't have um, 
like Alec Guinness leaping about. <laughs> so that's fair enough. Yeah. Although let's just because you mentioned that, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one of my uh, one of my picking points of the Star Wars fandom, and it's the uh, the reimagined Vader versus Kenobi fight. I don't like it at all. Really? And there's a reason why I don't like it. It completely misses the point of that fight. Like that fight is not meant to be a fight. It's Kenobi distracting and taunting Vader and giving himself up so that Luke can escape because Luke is the the last hope that Kenobi thinks they've got and he's spent his whole life trying to defend him. And in this moment, he's like, right, I've just got to give myself up, not just because it will let Luke escape, but because I'll become stronger as a as a force ghost than I will as a as a man. Um, and that fight for me is not meant to be like a big wailing lightsaber sort of thing. It's literally just like Kenobi being like, right, this is the end of my journey. Strike me down, essentially. Yeah. Um, um, I like it for what it is, I suppose, but I, I do agree. And I think I don't think it portrays Obi Wan's fighting style very well. Like he is very aggressive in that fight, yeah, and that's never how Kenobi was. <laughs> no, that, yeah, there's. I've, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure there's times when he like proper goes to like wail on Vader, and I'm like, I don't think that's really how he fights. Like he's more, uh, you know, he's a form three master. You know, he's more defensive and yeah, like I mean, counter attacks yeah you look at Anakin and Obi-Wan that entire fight is just like Kenobi countering like yeah you know, it's just Anakin wailing at him and Kenobi blocking essentially like yeah um yeah, so yeah it's just a little bone to pick I think you know, I think <laughs> could could would that fight look better if Lucas made it today probably of course um but I also think Lucas would get carried away and he'd try and make that fight something bigger than it needed to be because for me, that was never the point of that. That was the grand. That was you know in a in a in a mythical story. That's the grand old wizard giving his life so the the new knight can escape. Um, you know that was yeah. that was that was Gandalf doing "You shall not pass on the bridge of Kazadoom so Frodo can escape." That was what that scene signifies to me. Um, yeah, yeah. And obviously, Alec Guinness was not. He was not fit to be doing it. <laughs> And the big Obi-Wan and Vader fight that everyone wants to see, they're going to get to see in the Disney Plus series anyway. So let's leave, yeah, what's, le- let's leave what's perfect. Just don't touch it and then nah, yeah, make I something agree. new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that's probably about everything that we were, we planned to discuss for the for this episode. Yeah, there's a fun little discussion there at the end with the, the lightsaber jewels. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I am. Um, I was actually surprised that you put uh, Luke and Kylo Ren on there because I'd have really liked that scene. But as someone who's not as much of a fan of the Last Jedi, I didn't expect you to put it on there. But I thought it was a it was a good choice. I respect that fight. I think it's very good for um, Luke's arc, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it fits very well in. Um, I think it it shows. Luke's journey as a Jedi because obviously in the original trilogy he is very obviously his fights with like Vader and stuff he's very aggressive yeah, and stuff yeah reactive yeah. and aggressive yeah I think this that shows how much how further he's come in like his Jedi training like not just being a fighter but you know being a a, a protector 
Yeah. And I think, oh, let's just make this one little point and then we'll wrap up. Because Return of the Jedi ends with Luke winning because he refused to fight. And I think yeah. for me, that was a massive moment of Luke being like, right, being a Jedi isn't like a true Jedi doesn't want to fight. And I yeah, think that's yeah. one of the issues that I have with like the prequel era, as much as I love the prequel era, the Clone Wars era, is it's so much about Jedi fighting. Whereas the whole point of Jedi is they're not supposed to want to fight. Mm-hmm. And Luke realizes that at the end, he's like, I'm not going to win this by fighting. I'm going to be a proper Jedi and not fight. Um, yeah, yeah. And as much as I absolutely adore the Mandalorian, as much as I adore that final episode with Luke appearing, killing all the dark troopers and the dark troopers, they're robots, they're not people. So it's different. So much as I love that and it's epic. It did feel a little bit like Luke just concluded his, <laughs> his journey to being a Jedi by deciding he didn't need to be like a big brute fighter. And then we go straight into like five years later and he's just <laughs> gone back to that like really aggressive. But then I guess it wasn't aggressive. It was very um, fought out and balanced, that fight of his. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I do I do want them to do more with Luke and I hope we see some stuff. But I also don't want them to do this whole OP Luke thing that like Star Wars fans seem to want. Like that's never the, been the point of Luke. Luke has always won because of his ability to love and care for people, not because... He was some big fighter. Yeah. Um, no, which I is do. why I do, like you said, I actually really like that fight at the end of Last Jedi because he essentially, he realises that to win, he has to be the legend, the legendary Luke Skywalker that the galaxy wanted him to be and he decided not to be. So he has to be that to inspire. But then he also wins in the most like Jedi way ever by not actually fighting. Um, mm. So I think that's like, for me, and I know a lot of people disagree, and that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their agreements and disagreements. <laughs> but I think that's why I really like that that Luke moment. Um, I think that's why I like the comics at the moment, because you actually, if you want to see like Luke just scrapping people, you get a lot of that in the comics because it's before Return of the Jedi. So it's before Luke has reached that point in his life where he's like, I need to not fight anymore. Um, so, yeah. Right. Should we wrap it up there? Any more thoughts, John? Anything else to add? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all good for this week. Lovely stuff. Um, so we shall be back next week for episode five of The Bad Batch. And I believe, if I'm right in my maths, I think we've got our... Have we got our um, book club Maybe. will be next week, won't it? So one, two, three. Oh, yeah, that'll be it. Four weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The 29th. Yeah. So, be a fun little discussion. Yeah, next Saturday, we will be discussing The Light of the Jedi, the, uh, the first High Republic book. So, we'll warn you at the time, it'll be very spoiler filled, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But if anyone has read the book in the past or this month when we mentioned it, send us in your thoughts on our Instagram or Twitter. Just DM us whatever you think of the book. I'll probably put a one of those Q&A things up on the Instagram story next week before we record so if anyone's got any thoughts they can drop them in Um, and then we shall discuss that after we've discussed episode 5 of The Bad Batch next week yeah sounds good lovely stuff right we'll wrap it up because John's got to get away to work he's a working man (laughs) I'm a hard grafter (laughs) a hard grafter and I'm going to the pub because I'm I'm a hard grafter as well (laughs) Right. Thank you for tuning in to episode seven of Live from Vader's Castle. I've been your host, Dan, and uh, John has been your other host, John. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll uh, see you next week. All right. Bye.